Hi, and welcome to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. Join us for interviews, updates and chat with artists, influencers and those that manufacture the gear that we love. Hello and welcome to 9 to 42, which is the podcast from the guys at the Guitar Show UK. And Jason is chuckling away because this is my second crack at trying to do the intro, which seems to be the new norm for us. (laughs) Uh, Evening, Jace. How are you? I'm very good, mate. How are you? Do you know what? I'm really, really well because it's been a lovely day and I've got through quite a lot of stuff and I'm finishing off the day doing this, which is a nice way to a nice way to finish. I'm, That's a good I'm, start I'm to quite... the weekend, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's a really good start to the weekend. Really good start to the weekend. Uh, we better we better get in and we better introduce our our guest. Uh, our guest is is basically um, in charge of mandolins and uh, what well, mandolins and guitars, or the mandolin and guitar division for Eastman Guitars. But I'm not going to tell you his name. And the reason I'm not going to tell you his name is I'm going to let him do it because I've had two goes and I've got it terribly wrong and it's just going to be so offensive. So we've agreed I can call him Pep. So Pep, will you give us your full name, please? Okay, are you are you ready for it? We're ready. Okay. Pepijn het hart. And you can see why I didn't have a crack at that, can't you? <laughs> there you go. There's nothing about my Yorkshire upbringing that was going to get that right at all. <laughs> Pep, it's lovely, lovely to meet you for the first time. I know you and Jace have known each other for a long while, but it's lovely to see you. Are you well? I'm, I'm very well, especially here on a Friday night, hanging out. It feels a bit, I, I told Jason, it feels a bit like hanging out with your mates at the pub, which is unfortunately, especially in Holland, completely uh, a no-go area. So, so this, is, this is a nice substitute. Yeah, and we can do that now. We're, we're, we're back doing that. So, well, we can I sit outside the pub. Yet. We sit outside the pub. The beer um, garden. The beer garden. I went to um, Iceland a couple of years ago um, in November and had to buy like a proper outdoor winter coat. Obviously, it's freezing. And I sat outside having a drink with some friends the other day and I got this coat on and I was still really cold. It's not the right time of year to sit in a beer garden, is it? Let's be honest. It's not. So... I mean, I know Jason's got questions lined up, but I am gonna have I'm gonna have to deal with the name because we've just been talking about your name and you told me quite a funny story. So, tell me a little bit more about what you could have been called. Well, yeah, there, there is there is. I mean, whenever I go abroad, uh, people always struggle with my name because it's a difficult name. It's got all kind of letters that don't or doesn't exist in other languages, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the issues is the A from Pepin. But then I've always managed to tell them that uh, actually I've been quite lucky because I could have been called so many different names as my mother was reading Lord of the Rings uh, when she was pregnant of me. <laughs> and so it could have been Gandalf or, or, or Gollum or any kind of weird name from that book. So in the end, Pepin is not that bad, but it's, it's a, a Gandalf would be easier for all of you guys, uh, especially the English speaking side of the world. Gandalf would have been quite cool, but I think it's fine the way it is. And if you also, just just as a little warning, if you hear a slight blip on the audio every once in a while, we've got a slightly uh, a slightly temperamental mic going on tonight, so occasionally he's plugging plugging in, unplugging and plugging back in again. So you might see hear the odd bump. I'll try and take them out when I edit, but if not, uh, apologies for that in advance. Jace, I'm going to let you kick in because I'm going to enjoy this conversation. You know, I, I know very little about this story, so I'm looking forward to. To, to hearing it as we go. Yeah, I mean, I 
I didn't really know Eastman, but um, and I'm not entirely sure how uh, you ended up doing the guitar show. Oh God, three, four, five years ago, something yeah, like that. Yeah, five, five years ago, I think. I, th- I think it was uh, Russ, who's the UK sort of um, yeah. rep, for want of a better description, had popped into the office, and and, and I can remember the first the first show that you did. Um, and just being blown away, uh, particularly by the sort of like hollow body guitars. Um, and then, we, you know, we kind of, you know, we, we met each other at Nam and stuff like that. And I think we should tell the story at some point this evening <laughs> of the Christmas bar in Nashville <laughs> that we ended up in. But <laughs> but I suppose really, because cause Eastman is, is a relatively new guitar brand. In terms of the guitar world and yeah. history, it's relatively new. Um, so I thought we if we start with the story of Eastman... And then how you kind of slide into that story? Yeah, well, it, 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 the story of Eastman, and before I tell you that, I have to uh, tell you a little side note, which is so funny that at one time I ended up with uh, Nels Klein of Wilco in a Utrecht bar. And uh, Wilco and Nels is one, both my favorites. So I just... Oh, I love Wilco. And, and, like and, 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 and Nels is playing one of our Mendo cellos and, and, and uh, he knew nothing about Eastman. He said, can you tell me the story? I told him the story and, and he wept. I, I have to admit that he, he drank a couple of really strong <laughs> drinks in that bar, but he wept. He, he loved it and... Uh, he asked me to tell the story again. So it must be a good story. So, I, so, <laughs> so here I go again. Now, Eastman, Eastman uh, started in 1992, so, so quite a while. My, the, our CEO and founder, Mr. Chen Ni, uh, born in China. Um, obviously, communist China was not, especially at that point in time before the 90s, was not that easy to live in. Um, the parents of Chen really wanted him to have a better life. He studied the flute, the classical flute, and he got a scholarship in the U.S. Uh, to study the flute. And what I always say is when he, when he uh, participated and he looked at his fellow students who were playing rather crappy cellos and violins, and he asked them, why do you play such a crappy instrument or i mean I, i'm telling it in my he, he, he will tell you a different story but that's the short version of it and and yeah then he heard the price and he was amazed by the amount of money that they had to pay for that instrument and it wasn't a particularly good one and he mm. knew people in china who were capable of incredible stuff handwork really uh, handcrafted cellos and violins and together with his fa- with his father they started literally from from scratch bringing over cellos and violins to the U.S. and in a van driving around the U.S. very, very uh, down the, the 905 uh, all the way down. And it's a, it's, a very, uh, it's a very, yeah, moving story because literally brick by brick, mile by mile, he, he conquered the, the, the story. And uh, Eastman is one of the biggest or perhaps the biggest uh, handcrafted brand of uh, cellos and violins and by now uh, 30 years later next year we have our 30th anniversary we are uh, yeah a company that have uh, all kinds of brass instruments so saxophones tubas uh, all kinds of stringed instruments like the cellos the double basses violins and we we added the guitars in um, from 2004 2005 on uh, so the guitars are the relatively the, the the new kid on the block for eastman 
but the company is 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 for a longer time and it's really it's really a beautiful story because it it really was founded on the whole concept of making making the best possible instrument available for everybody not just mm. the people who have the money who can buy the uh, the high priced quality instruments but just the best possible instrument at a price that any musician can afford and so how did how did you come into that story then yeah well thanks to gibson we have a big thank you to 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 say to 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 gibson uh, and and a little bit to taylor but especially gibson because uh, i was working uh, as a distributor in uh, the benelux for gibson and epiphone and uh gibson by then stopped working with uh local distributors and they mm. they set up uh, gibson europe and obviously kicked out the uh the the local uh, distributor that i was working for so we were sitting i think it was 2006 or something we were sitting in an office with a couple of guys in a at a round literally a round table very frustrated how do you in any chance how do you yeah replace a, a, a brand like gibson that's irreplaceable such a, such a huge turnover so uh, i knew of a company in my hometown also a distributor for taylor guitars and I thought, well, these guys, they want out. They want to uh, go on and their pen, enjoy their pension. So perhaps we can buy that company and at least we have an A brand then. Mm. And that ended up, and the, the company was called Benelli Import. And they were the distributor for, for Taylor Guitars. And uh, the minute we bought the company, Taylor Guitars went direct, <laughs> started <laughs> Taylor Europe. So so these both these 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 big brands took uh, very logical steps uh, especially this day and age but they they were they were doing what they were supposed to be doing and we had to cope with uh, with the rest and there was yeah yeah we, they start that's benelli import they had a brand eastman and it was high quality chinese made handcrafted acoustic guitars uh, some some arch tops some mandolins and they were not cheap especially not for Chinese uh, mm. instruments, it was a f the, the cheapest acoustic guitar was was five hundred euros, so about four hundred pounds, four hundred twenty five pounds. And um, yeah, the first time I played one, I just I couldn't believe it. It was the best possible guitar I've ever played. I really, really was impressed by it, and and from that moment on, I knew that this was going to be my future and the future of the company. And the first day that we bought that company and that I was made director and I was sitting uh, for the first time behind a desk feeling very, very nervous. Uh, am, I, am I up for this job? And the phone rang and, and on the other side it was Chen, our founder and uh, CEO, and, and he wanted to know what kind of guy I was. And we were on the phone for an hour and a half. He called from the US where he was living at that time. And... Uh, yeah, we just hit it off, and he at the end of the the end of the the, the conversation, he said, "Do you want to come and live in the U.S. <laughs> and work with me on on setting up the guitar?" And I was, yeah, this is my first day at the new job. That <laughs> would not be my mind. I don't think the family was immediately up for moving up to uh, to the U.S. So we didn't. Uh, we the relationship started as a distributor for just the Benelux, so Netherlands, Belgium, and Luxembourg, distributing the Eastman uh, guitars. And that from that point on, it was just going so well. And we were, it, yeah, the brand is so brilliant. And after a while, 
I said to Chen, I said, well, we have to do this ourselves. We have to do an Eastman Europe. And we, we set up in 2014, we set up Eastman Europe direct. And from that point on, everything moved forward to uh, to where we are now at this moment in time. That's the short version. You've got uh, acoustics, mandolins and, and so on. Where do the... Where do the the thin lines, the solid bodies come from? Was that you? Oh well, we we already had some thin lines. The the solid bodies definitely me. Um, yeah, the the beauty of a company like Eastman and and the the, the job that I have and and the job that I'm doing in uh, a daily basis, I could never have done that at any other company because that, as Eastman, it's it's very non. Uh, uh, how do you say that? That's an, that's a that's an English word with uh, uh, where the there. It's a very flat organization. I, yeah, I try yeah. to to move my way around the difficult word. So the, the the company is very flat. So anyone who sees an opportunity or a chance can can step up to the plate and and just do that and and do what what needs to be done. And that's what I did. I saw that there was someone missing in between all the different parts because the instruments are made. In Beijing, in mm. China, fully by hand, uh, and of course, in the course of the years, we we have some machinery and we have some CNCs, uh, but the majority of the the instruments are made by hand, and based on the way the violins were made uh, in the back in the day of Stradivari, it was literally a team of specialists, everyone doing a specific bit on the instrument, and because they do a specific bit. They are very, very good at that. So yeah. it's literally a, a, an instrument crafted by a team of, of specialists, and that makes the instrument so incredibly good. And, and it's, it's, it's time-honored. It's the way it has been done in the, in the golden age of instruments. So, yeah, we, we started with the acoustics, and it was just a, s- a simple line. And after that, we added uh, traditional instruments, the traditional uh, d- uh, dreadnoughts, OM, stuff like that. Uh, archtops was what how we started. Uh, and mandolins. And because everything that involved carving, which we already learned doing the violins. Yeah, yeah. So whenever it has a carved top, that, then we're the masters. And that, that's, that's our home turf. That's what we are used to do. So, yeah, for me... Obviously, the archtop world is 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 uh, slowly getting smaller. I mean, the 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 you see, I the other day I found out that Gibson, other than two or three very expensive uh, uh, custom shop model, models, they don't build any archtops anymore. So then I thought, oh, probably they do a Epiphone. Well, there's just one or two thick body archtops, and so mm. literally, uh, that is a shrinking market. And we we will always do that, but we also have to prepare for the future. So uh, I added the solid bodies and expanded the, the 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 thin line models. So we have a a much wider range of of, of guitars. Whenever it's got six strings, as far as the guitars go, uh, yeah, we have it on offer and and in in many varieties and and very traditional, and at the same time, always with that that that. Uh, how do you say that that basic thing where it always has to be available for everybody not just for the people with the with the the deeper pockets (laughs) i I think the last time i saw you was nam god 2020 yeah so 18 
15 months ago or something. Um, and <laughs> you just you were just launching, I think, it was the new SB55s? Yes. Yes, we did. I've, which, um, and they're kind of... They're, they're the classic junior kind of thing, really, aren't they? You know, I've been having a bit of a look, uh, a poke around, and there's some, some absolutely beautiful, beautiful uh, models. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I got handed, uh, I think Russ handed me the single cut um, SB55, and he went, play this, and I just looked at him, and he went, yeah, I know, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> just, oh, I don't need another guitar. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is with with every and it yeah, it all sounds like a like a very cheesy commercial but the the actual fact is that every guitar that we make is just so incredibly phenomenal special there is something magic going on uh, we the easy way is also that we say okay we offer a custom shop quality at standard pricing but then you're only referring to pricing and normally i always yeah. try, try to stay away about pricing because uh, the word affordable etc it's, it's always coming into play when when we it's it yeah people speak mm-hmm. about eastman but the basic essential is if for instance with the with the sb55 if you if you want to have a one pickup p90 guitar most of the time that's not going to be your your main guitar or your only guitar because it's it's a fantastic guitar but it doesn't do everything so then if you want to buy that that type of guitar uh and you want a really good one it's extremely expensive so for most people yeah they they dream about a guitar but they would never buy it because yeah, on the side it's too much for on the side, blah blah blah. So so I wanted to have a guitar that that was within reach and and ha- that ticked all the boxes. And and one of the, the most important things that I managed to do at Eastman is literally uh, bring the violins into the guitars by uh, adding the the violin varnish. Every violin mm. is finished uh, not by spraying it. But by by hand rubbing, French polishing the finish on the guitar or on the violin, and what the difference is so big with a sprayed guitar because the the, the, the French polish is, I think, the thinnest finish you can apply on any instrument. And why do they do it on violins? Because it's the best finish, the mm. best sounding finish you can find in the world, and. The downside is it, it doesn't give any protection. Mm. So with a violin, it's not a problem. If you look at any violin, a 200-year-old violin, a five-year-old violin, there's no lacquer on the neck because that's the only part where the, the body touches the instrument. With a guitar, you touch it everywhere. It's literally mm. your, your body, your, your gut, your hands, your arms, everything's touched. So that was probably the reason why people also in the older days, didn't use that finish because it got beaten up very, very easy. So I, I, um, I invented the antique varnish, which is, again, I just stole it from our violin department because every violin looks as if it's 200 years old. So I just literally yeah. said to our specialist, Mrs. Hua Rong, who is a wonderful lady and absolute master in her profession, and I said, I want a guitar that looks like that violin and she immediately backs off and oh no 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 i don't know nothing about that 
And I said, well, it's easy. So they gave me, we call that a white guitar. It's just, just a body without any frets or anything, unfinished. And I had to pretend playing it without strings, etc. So I was just being, yeah, uh, giving her a Keith Richard concert, you know, <laughs> muck, mucking about with the guitar, uh, doing all the moves that come when you play guitar. And she was marking it with her pencil everywhere I hit the guitar. And in the end, that was the first instrument, that's a typical Jason instrument, was the T-58, a, a kind of Gretschy, big arch top with a big Bixby on it. And... Yeah, that finish is really proprietary Eastman. It's a unique finish. And the reason why we age that finish already is not because we want to be hip or we want to do what's commercially the most valid thing to do and people want that. But it's really, if you hang it new on the wall in a shop, first one playing it marks it. Yeah. So so it was the sensible thing to do. And we get so many requests from people. Yeah, I, I like that guitar, but can you can you not already antique it not age it and I, I always have to say i'm very sorry we can't do that because otherwise you'd be disappointed and once it's already marked the first mark is lots like a new car mm. once it has its first dent you don't care anymore <laughs> but the first one is really hard well we already dent it so that problem is taken out of the equation i love how much you love you, you genuinely love eastman i, I we were at um nashville and um you'd got that um you have to forgive me i can't remember the model was it the four eight six was it that was the black over red with the big yeah Bixby? yeah 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 the, the, T, was, the it, t59 the t i tried to give them always years so t59 t58 sb55 just referring it, to a specific time and it was it was kind of like i think it was modeled on little barry's guitar i i think i mean it was it was just such a a, a fabulous guitar and um chris vinnicum had been on the uh, the booth just before me and he'd set up the amp and the pedal board and everything so everything just sounded absolutely perfect and i'm playing away on this guitar and then i was telling Ant you did that uh that classic salesman trick <laughs> and i was going, i was going this is amazing i love this guitar this is fantastic and you went do me a favor I'm like, yeah yeah what what just go over to the big G over there and play their equivalent and then come back. I was like, oh, okay. So I went over and I, you know, potted around the Gibson stand for a bit and, and played several 335s and 345s or whatever. And then I came back and I was like, yeah. And you were like, I know, I know. It's so much better, isn't it? And it's like, yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Well, and I, I, I never, because they, they laid the foundations, uh, the big G company, and they are, especially the last few years, they, they've done an incredible job in, in, in reinventing themselves and getting back mm. in the saddle uh, quality-wise, instrument-wise. So the new leadership is doing amazing things. But the beauty with the varnish, and that was what I was referring to, that the varnish makes that instrument not only look like it's old but it feels but it feels it feels, feels old. old and it gives yeah. immediate instead of having to play that guitar and getting too used to it and you've got to get a couple of months or years and then it starts opening up it immediately everything's there it's just as if it's your best friend that you've always had along with it, with you and that's that's where we always win when when people start playing a guitar of ours and I have to say, I mean, that's the difficulty with a podcast. I, I, I talk too much. You give me a <laughs> mic, I'll, I won't shut up. So just 
Please stop me. That is the beauty of a podcast. That's what we want you for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing is, all these, these fantastic people that I came across over the years, I mean, starting in China, I, one of the things... When I'm, when, no, I've, I haven't been in the workshop for a year and a half because if, if I go to China now, I, first I have to spend two weeks in a horrible hotel mm-hmm. in quarantine. So we wait until that measure is dropped and then I can go back. But if I walk around, it's literally you don't hear any noise. You only hear this, the scratching and, and of all kinds of, of, of manual work, manual labor. And whenever... I, I, I thank people. I say, oh, well, wonderful. Thank you for the, the wonderful work you're doing. And then, then they say, oh, thank you. I will try to do better tomorrow. <laughs> and that, that is such a, such a wonderful way of, of to, to do your job. And one of the things that people always ask, oh, they're Chinese and they're, they're sweatshops and it's like uh, people are treated badly. And then they are not. They are treated extremely well. They are paid well. They are their own boss so the person who's who's doing the the fret work he gets paid by the amount of, of, of work he does on, the, on on a daily basis and he decides whether and when his wife is sick or he has to stay with the kids or whatever he just works less and and if he wants to stay longer and make an extra buck he stays longer it's up to him and the whole workshop is arranged that way there are many, many families working in our workshops. And I never say factory because it's not a factory, because it's, it's, it's a workshop. It's like, like you walk back into the 50s or the 40s. And all these people there, their wives, husbands, fathers, aunts, they're all working there. Lots of women in China are in charge. Most of the production managers are women, at least the good ones, because the ones that are not as good are often the males and get replaced by the females who are for some reason just better organized more strict and the whole production process is just so much more fluent but it's a again a very emancipated uh, society the chinese society so that's so interesting to learn and to see and to be part of cool so um there's the new model as well. Is this one that you've designed yourself, the Romeo? Is, is... No, no, I, I cannot take any credit because my, my I have I have a uh, I always say my better half, Mr. Otto D'Ambrosio. He is a he is a real full blown designer. He uh, he started working as an apprentice with John Monteleone. John Monteleone is one of the most renowned currently living arch top builders in new york city uh otto has been his apprentice um, and he has his own he had his own company and designed his own arch top guitars and then um i think 2008 2009 otto came to to fully work with us uh, and he's a real designer but we are like yin and yang we the one can't go without the other i'm not a a designer in the way that that I can can come up with a completely new design, but I know what I want to see. And Otto is capable of really doing something from scratch, and mm. that's that's where we currently are working. We try to find our own way, our own voice, our own look, our own signature in the, in, in in the electric solid body guitars, and uh, that's 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 a very gratifying. Yeah, path to follow because we were talking about the SB55. Well, I knew when we did that guitar that it was going to be a monster hit. 
because mm. it has proven itself. I really, we never, by the way, we never copy. It's always a shape that, that this shape I did, uh, but it's always different. Of course, it's reminiscent because it's the most conservative, uh, the most conservative market in the world. Imagine that we were all still driving those cool cars from the 50s. But we're oh, that'd not. That'd be for, awesome. For, yeah, for some reason, I don't know why. Why don't they do that? I, mean, I don't if you, know. I went, to, I went to Cuba a couple of years ago, family holiday. And it was just the most amazing thing. And I, mean, I know they keep them going on like chewing gum and bits of string and stuff like that. But genuinely, oh, I'd love a car that was like 50 foot long with fins on it and everything. They just look amazing. I don't know, I don't know at what point society went, no, we don't want that cool looking stuff. But I, just, why, what is that? There is, I think it has to do with safety. Have you got any idea, Ant? Why? Yes, it's got to do with the fact that at some point you've got to park it in an Aldi car park. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's definitely true. Well, the, 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 the thing with, with, with the guitars is that still the guitars that were built in the 50s are still the best sold guitars in the world. It's the Stratocaster, the Telecaster, the Gibson Les Paul, the ES-335. So that is, that is very, very hard to come up with something that is yeah better or or equal or earns its mm. place next to these gigantic unique designs so what what we did in the past was was trying to to add something to the original design that takes away the problems that original designs have mm. and because when these guitars were invented or designed yeah, there were, hardly was any pop music. I mean, when, when a 335 or, a, or a, a casino or an ES-330 was, was designed, there were no Beatles to play it. No. So, so how, how would they know they were aiming it at the jazz market? So the whole concept was so different. Mm. And, and for instance, with uh, 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 the SB-55, there is the rap over bridge. And that on the Les Paul Junior, you have the rap over bridge, and it's never in tune on the twelfth fret, and the intonation is a problem. So, yeah, that was the first thing that I had to look at, because if you mm. do something like that, it has to be an improvement, or you have to add something, bring something to the table what's not already there. And uh, one of the things that 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 I found uh, Faber, uh, Germany, a German company where Gottfried makes the most amazing uh, parts, an aluminium wrap-over bridge with compensated uh, parts, which makes this instrument suddenly in tune on the 12th fret. And, and, and that's a wonderful thing. And then small things like, like locking studs. It sounds horrible. It sounds like a, like a, a hair metal guitar with, with <laughs> trying to make dive bombs. But locking studs is very simple. You have that tailpiece... And it has to connect to the stud that goes into the body. Mm. And because of the pull of the string, the, the tailpiece is, is more or less uh, 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 pulled loose from the stud. But by just adding a simple ring, the stud keeps the, the tailpiece in its place. And, and that gives better sound, better sustain. Everything on the guitar gets better on that simple in, in invention. So those are, for instance, two things that were really contributing to being yeah, a better guitar than the original design. And I'm not saying that, that a, a 1955 Gibson Les Paul Jr., I mean, those, yeah, these are amazing guitars. But I studied 
between 20 and 30 original pieces and some were stellar and others were horrible because the, the, the quality was also... I mean, they didn't know back then. There was no production. They didn't know how to make guitars in larger quantities, etc., etc. That's one mm. of the things that we do so much better now, not we as Eastman, but we as a guitar industry. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely more consistent. Sorry, Ant, carry well, on. Well, I was just about to say, I think the other thing back to then is nobody in 1950-whatever was expecting that in 2021 we would be talking about those guitars. I mean, in reality, the, you know, no, nobody thought, oh, let's build something that's got a 75-year lifespan. But that's, that's the thing. I mean, if you see the, the, the interviews with the Beatles in the 60s and how much longer do you think you'll be doing that? <laughs> well, we could do another year or so, but after that, we, you know, we probably go do something else, a real job. <laughs> it's so funny. It is, it is kind of unique, actually, that... And I don't know whether it is something to do with the the point in time that those designs came about and the fact that they went through two or three genres of music very, very quickly, that suddenly those instruments weren't defined by a genre. So, you know, uh, whereas a, if you if you let's let's take the, the pointy headstock thing uh, of, the, of the sort of the mid eight, the mid 80s or the, the through the 80s, that became very associated with a particular genre. And to a certain extent, that has stuck. You know, that, that genre has then stuck with that, that instrument. And yes, there are, there are a few people who've played Ibanez that haven't played in that particular style as an example, but there aren't very many. And I think, I think, whereas I think if we talk about the original designs, they were never, they somehow never got tagged with a genre. So they've, they've, they've effectively, you know, it's been easy to reinvent and easy for, for a guitar to be something that, that sits as comfortably in punk as it does in country and western, if you take something like yeah. a Telecaster. Yeah, no, it's it's it, that is that is the beauty of, of 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 guitars that they they serve so many so many masters and and it's and it's it's whatever. I mean, if you go check out uh, Jason's band or you you you, you <laughs> check out my music, it's very different. But mm. I bet we we use a lot of the same guitars or the same amps and the same pedals. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm, actually, I don't think our music is that different i'm just a bit more rock than you but i think that we we share a love uh, and ant does as well of like americana and stuff oh, like, like, like wilco and ryan adams and stuff like that i'm just not very good at playing like that i can listen to it as much <laughs> as i like but when i strap it on uh, you suddenly realize that the guitar's by my knees and i like it loud and distorted yeah no and it's that's 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 a very good thing but the, with with guitars, if you and that's that's what I, I love about Otto and his designing, because for instance the Romeo model was our first original thin line instrument that we uh, that legendary mm. Nashville guitar show in 2019, where Jason was and I was, uh, we introduced that guitar and that guitar was the first real original design from scratch, doesn't look like anything else, mm. and it's a fully hollow thin line very small with a shorter scale and it's got a, 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 a again that that hand carved solid spruce top that we, that we are used to from the violins and the uh, and the arch tops two lola humbuckers which normally if you have those humbuckers on a guitar like that you have feedback and problems and you don't and for some reason the workshop made a mistake adding on the prototype a a maple neck instead of a mahogany neck that was supposed to have it 
And suddenly there was something like magic happening because this guitar had two humbuckers, was a hollow body, was perhaps intended to be kind of jazzy, but it turned out you could play every John Mayer album, every song on every John Mayer album, especially with your fingers, because there was like a Stretti and a Telecaster kind of sound from a completely different looking guitar. So that guitar took the world by storm. And, and, and in 2020, that was our number one sold electric guitar, which is so satisfying because it's original. It doesn't look like anything else. Yeah. And it really, and, and, and that's, the whole thing was fully auto. He, he did that all by himself. And, and, and um, from that on, we, this year, we, we, uh, we launched Romeo L.A., and it, it lit. I'm looking at it now in Celestine, Celestine blue, Celestine That's blue, Celestine, and yeah, it looks superb. Celestine, and that is that guitar is 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 it's it's going to come to the shops this May. The first first limited models coming out, and and. That's when the, the beauty between Otto and myself, because so Otto has this design and then I start thinking, yeah, but I also want to have a certain people. I'd like to have a kind of surfy guitar, you know? So we put in P90s from Seymour Duncan with radiator covers. And I reached out to my good friend Dieter Goldsdorfer, the, uh, the CEO and founder of Duesenberg, because we, I wanted a Bixby. Like like Jason, uh, like like Chris, we are crazy about Bigsby's. We we love yeah. Bigsby, but Bigsby we couldn't get the Bigsby to to go on the Romeo. The top was too carved and it was too small on the on the backside, so it mm. didn't fit. And it was such a huge disappointment because this guitar was screaming for a for a tremolo. But how could we solve it? So I. I called Dieter Goldsdorf and I said, well, and he's like a mad scientist. He invents stuff that nobody else uh, invents with his Duesenberg brand. And he also has a brand Goldo that makes all kinds of parts. And I said, I need, I need a trem, a kind of jazz mastery trem for that guitar. And he had the less trem, it's called. And you, you mm. can aftermarket click it on any stop tail guitar. You don't have to drill, you don't have to do anything. And suddenly... You have a jazz master in your hands or a kind of jazz mastery sound. So the whole hollow body, that color that, that Otto came up with, everything contributes to a unique instrument that really when you play it, immediately you are surfing the waves in L.A. <laughs> I've surfed the waves in L.A. And I, I have to say it's the most knackered I've ever been <laughs> in my entire life. <laughs> I booked a 45-minute booked a surfing lesson on Santa Monica beach and and uh, me and my family were taught by todd and clay which were about <laughs> as american as you could possibly get and they were going snap up dude snap <laughs> up i'm like i'm nearly 50 i'm not snapping up anywhere <laughs> was troy not available that day <laughs> oh man it was just uh I, I, I don't know if you've ever been surfing, but it is the most exhausting thing in the world. It, it, it's all right being thrown back in by the waves, but it, then it's having to swim out back past them whilst you're carrying something that feels like it weighs about 10 stone. It makes no sense to me. It's, it's the equivalent of going skiing without a ski lift. It's like you, yeah. can, you can come down, but you've got to walk up to the top of the mountain with your skis first. No. Yeah. Why, why would you do that? Why would well, you I, do that? I, I always wonder, did nobody ever watch Jaws? <laughs> because 
because, well, I had a family trip in the U.S. as well, just like what Jason was saying. And we were in the water and we were in, 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 in Santa Cruz. And we were in the water, rather deep, big waves. And we were having fun, me and my two sons. And there were surfers around us. And the surfer said, oh, it's better not to be here uh, if you're not on a surfboard because of the sharks. It was literally shark week. Discovery Channel was was filming Shark Week in Santa Cruz, and we were in the water, and all these guys, and I was, and they were pedaling, and they were keeping their their feet up on on their boards. But if I mean anywhere where there's big waves, there's sharks. To be honest, I fell off so many times it wouldn't matter. <laughs> you were going to drown first. Yeah, sharks weren't going to get me. Were you were you in your in your speedos, or did you have? A... No. I was... <laughs> <laughs> so, so they give you a wetsuit you, you hire a wetsuit um and the guy looked at me and he went yeah okay and just handed me a wetsuit i've never put a wetsuit on before in my life so i'm in a car park you know um just by the beach and i'm struggling into this wetsuit and i'm like i re-, and i'm like i know they're supposed to be tight right and then then I get I get about half on and I'm trying to get my arm, you know, so you've got your legs in and you're trying to get your arms in. And he went, oh, I've given you the wrong size, dude. <laughs> <laughs> of course, when he gave me the right size, it fitted really quickly. But I spent like 15 minutes rolling around on the floor trying to pull this thing on. So, so Pet, what's next? What's next? You've got, you've got, You've got um, it was the Romeo, wasn't it? That's that's launching the uh, the Romeo LA's launching or, or arriving, not launching, arriving. You said you said in May. Yeah, that's um, that's arriving in May, and and uh, for next year we are planning to to launch our first original uh, solid body guitar, and uh, that is nerve wracking because the solid body market. I mean, with thin lines, you get away. With yeah. a little originality. I don't know, though. I think it's been quite interesting looking at the guitar market, probably over the last decade, that you've now got stuff like um, Revelator and Fano and all of that sort of stuff, which is is very different. I mean, you can see its heritage, but they are completely new designs, and they they do appear to be quite successful relatively speaking not obviously fender gibson no no they are they are and dennis fano is 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 one of the the big innovators in in the in the solid body uh, guitar market and um i i don't i never knew what what happened because he he had this brand fano which is obviously Mm. his last name but then another company bought that company and he's not allowed to to design fano guitars so now he's 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 novo guitars also really really impressive i mean this guy mm. yeah he he set a new standard and 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 definitely an inspiration when it comes to finding uh new ways so so what we one of the things that we always got asked is well when are you going to do an sg now we're not going to do an sg gibson does an sg and if there is one shape i feel that that literally you can you can n- do nothing to but ruin it. Is an SG. The SG is perfect. The two yeah. horns. Only a madman would come up with a guitar like that. And it, <laughs> you know, the story that Les Paul. It 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 was supposed to be the follow up on the Les Paul. 
And Les Paul yeah. himself hated the look of it. So he, he demanded from Gibson to take off the plate that says Les Paul model because he didn't want to be affiliated with it. I think it's, it's a brilliant design. So any company... I think ESP does a nice one with the Viper that that comes. Yeah. That's a little. It's got a slightly offset yeah, exactly. at the bottom. But other than that, the rest is just horrible. They look like 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 leprechauns or or or, or yeah, misformed midgets. It's like <laughs> weird. There's nothing good you can do if you want to pay tribute to a model like that. But the sound of a slab of mahogany with mm. two humbuckers, very simple, or two P90s. That is pure magic so that's something that we did not have and that's what Otto and me have been designing since uh, January 2020 um, it's a little offset it's got a and it, nobody knows about this so this is this is a real premiere only on this podcast for the podcast Dan <laughs> yeah, that's that's it so it's got a uh, I incorporated a couple of things that I thought yeah, are just really, really... I mean, everybody loves a Firebird. Don't you love a Firebird? The raised middle part. Well, see, I've got a non-reverse Firebird rather than a reverse Firebird. I love the non-reverse one. Well, I, I love the reversed one, but if you if you strap it on, it immediately smacks you in the face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, it, 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 I mean, the balance, there's no balance. It's too heavy and it plays really hard. The non-reverse is much more playable and a wonderful guitar, but... I love that raised middle part. And so mm. so we've added the raised middle part to a to an Okume body and Okume is a, an African uh, wood that is always very light and very close to mahogany but not as uh, mahogany can be very very heavy, very light depending on you never know what you're going to get. And yeah. and we want guitars always to be very very comfortable, very lightweight and very resonant. So it's an Okume body with that raised middle part, offset, again, a knot to the Firebird. And, and, and uh, we designed our first six-on-a-row six headstock. So it's the first headstock from Eastman that has, I will show you afterwards on camera. Yeah, Nobody yeah. can see it, but I'm not allowed to show it, but it's behind me. And we're working with uh, the UK guys from Bare Knuckle on the pickups, specific mm. pickups that we want in there. Um, so, but it's it's literally was planned to be launched uh, this January, but because of the lockdowns and the travel, uh, travel uh, you, you can't do something. So it takes so much longer to finish a product, uh, a prototype. Yeah. So yesterday or no Wednesday, I received my first finished prototype that was actually playable at pickups and could listen to sounds. And so that's uh, it. Went from. Otto made it in his in the workshop in Pomona, Los Angeles, where our American headquarters is. Then he shipped the the, the, the naked bodies, shipped them to China, to have them finished. To, to, we did mm. tests on the colors. Uh, we had an antique varnish one and two nitrocellulose gloss ones. Then they shipped them back to Otto, and Otto started working on installing the parts. Uh, we have this again. There's so many great companies in the uk like like bare knuckle but also rothko and frost and no no if you are oh, yeah, yeah, oh, these guys they have pig guard material there is just there's just no end to the enormous fantasticness of that so beautiful material that that uh, there's 
a lot of things about this guitar that that is really special and it's not looking like anything that's already out there so that's going to be uh going to be costing me a couple of nights of sleep so jason next year <laughs> in january when we are in la before the show starts better take me to 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 a bar and 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 get me drunk otherwise i won't sleep for a week oh well we need to tell the story of when we went to a bar and got drunk in nashville we'd been out for a a really really nice grown-up quiet (laughs) meal intelligent in, in in some sort of like far part of nashville and it was it was like a it was a lovely kind of like um hipster kind of bar restaurant wasn't it yeah, you know German it was like an old factory yeah lovely absolutely lovely and and then some lunatic says there's a bar that's called the christmas bar where it's christmas 365 days a year in nashville i would say at this point it's about 120 degrees outside you can't walk outside without melting and, and so we we all jump in a cab so the there's there's us two there's uh, and there's a couple of guys from Guitar Magazine there's Chris and Joe isn't there and I think there yeah, might Sam, be someone else Sam Roberts and Sam uh, lanky Sam um, and uh, we we end up at, and it's like this shack that's in a car park on the <laughs> outskirts of town and we all get out of the cab and we're like um, and it's got snowmen painted on the outside of the building or something Christmas lights walk, everywhere <laughs> yeah we walk in. So this is July. <laughs> We're walking, and it's absolutely rammed. They've got no, no, no laws about smoking indoors no. or anything in this bar. They just didn't care, no. and and they've got karaoke machine, and the beer's like about two dollars a bottle. Um, I mean, it was just the most insane evening, and then it got even more insane when I turned around, and Pep was in the middle of the dance floor singing. I think it was Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye, <laughs> yeah. What's going on? I've always dreamt of seeing uh, what's going on, and 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 I had to take the stage, and 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 I think you or Chris filmed it. Uh, Chris, yeah. yeah, Chris filmed it, and and it, it was it was wonderful, and that was there was a there was a kind of a a male Aretha Franklin. Do you remember him? I don't know. I yes. don't remember. He was he was he was male, but he was Aretha Franklin, and he sang like Aretha Franklin. He sang with me, so it was it was like a. Like almost like a like a yeah. How do you say that? It was a an, an angelical experience. Is that? <laughs> it was it was utterly insane. I had a brilliant night that had started so grown up and responsible, <laughs> and ended up with us basically face down in a bar yeah. on the outskirts of yeah. town. Yeah, and that's that's what happens when you're in Nashville. <laughs> yeah, I I just I was so gutted that I couldn't go uh, last year and not this year either. But um, it's definitely on my list. I mean, I actually managed to pick up quite a bit of business for the guitar show as well. So it is a justifiable business trip. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing <laughs> with you, Jace. <laughs> and um, yeah, and there's Carter Vintage and there's Grooms and there's uh, Rumble Seat and all those amazing stores to go to. Well, rum, rum, just... Rumble Seat, that's, that's, that's an experience on itself, right? I mean, if you walk yeah. in, the way the guitars are displayed... They have all these tiny, tiny additional things from that certain era of that guitar, a picture, a, a, a magazine. A th- oh, it's just literally, you just walked into heaven, which is not what you experience when you go into Carter Vintage, do you? Um, 
I really, no, Carter wasn't like that, but I really like Carter. Actually, of the three that we went to that day, Carter was my favourite. I think because they got so many, so many guitars, and they were just all over the yeah, place. Yeah, that's you true. Just pick yeah. them up and play that's them. That's true. And Chris was doing an interview with, um, I don't know, Mr. Carter, whoever. Um, so there was me and there was Joe from Guitar Magazine, and we were just waiting for Chris to do the filming and, you know, the interview sort of stuff. So we were just kicking around in Carter. And um, and they've got benches as well, so you can just sit down and pick up any guitar and play. And I I, I swear to God, if I'd have known any way of getting it back, because it was right in the middle of the CITES thing as well, so there was no chance of getting anything with Rosewood out of the States and back to the UK. And they got a... I think it was a 53 or a 54 J45. And, and me and Joe just kept passing it between each other, going, this is the greatest acoustic guitar I've ever played. And and when I say it was affordable, it I mean, it was really expensive, but it was only, I think it was it was $3,800, which, you know, when you convert that back, was about three grand or whatever. That's very cheap. And, and really cheap for a... You know, 50s J45, yeah, but it's the, the finest. That's one of the things that is so great about the US when it comes to guitars, that you simply, there are so many acoustic guitars made in, in, mm. in, in the last 60 years, 80 years. So many, and they're all around. So, yeah, the exported numbers are much lower. So in the UK or on the European mainland, it's very, very hard to, to get any chance to find something. Whoop. We were talking when we were out for that dinner, just remembered, actually, um, about the acoustic guitar brand that you were going yeah. to go into yeah. partnership with. It was Bourgeois. Bourgeois, yeah. Chris Chris guessed it right back then. Yeah, because I, I guessed Santa Cruz and yeah. Chris guessed Bourgeois. Yeah. And it was kind of like, yeah, it was one or the other, wasn't it? So how's that going? Oh, that is a match made in heaven. Imagine that, that that's, that's a, I don't know how much time we have, but that's a, that's a great story because I was in Nashville the week before the show visiting some of our Eastman dealers and I got a call from, from our American, pre, not the American president, but the American Eastman president, Saul, and he said, well, yeah, Chen, Chen uh, has, has, has more or less fell in love with an acoustic guitar, but with Bourgeois. He met with Dana Bourgeois and... He fell in love with the guitars and he's just, he wants them to join the Eastman family. How do you feel about that? I was psyched about that, of course, but normally when stuff like this happens, it takes like forever. But this was just done between two gentlemen who really understood, two visionaries who immediately understood what they could offer each other. And uh, so they joined the Eastman family and then, Eastman is, is, is known, has a history of, of uh, going to an American brand, like, for instance, the, the, the flute that Chen was playing in his uh, study years is a Haynes flute. Haynes was the Rolls-Royce of classical flutes. And they really suffered uh, economically uh, beginning of 2000s. And then they joined the Eastman family. And, and, and now it's the number one flute across the world and in all the orchestras. So he has a, a really feel for that. And, and Bourgeois obviously wasn't economically uh, uh, suffering or anything, but every, every small boutique acoustic guitar builder or electric guitar builder, it's so hard to make any money because it's mm. so expensive when you make the best possible instruments with the best possible 
people in the US and you want to still keep those guitars yeah, not affordable but at a certain price it's impossible to make any money or to grow that's the mm. hardest thing so so I think it, for them it's great that they joined us and for us it's been masterful to learn to to uh, I just did a did a piece on reverb with the legendary uh, Tony Bacon he wrote a beautiful piece oh, yeah, yeah. about the, the future of uh, of Woods and and, and he, I was very very honored to be invited to that panel of uh, of industry people talking about that and I included Dana because there's nobody in the world that knows more about Woods for guitars than Dana he's like literally an encyclopedia so we're working on on instruments that we uh, that partly are built in Lewiston, Maine. They have their own, of course, they build their instruments there. But then mm. we're trying to build a guitar in 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 in, in, in that's that's in the the Martin D twenty eight price range, which is impossible to build for for bourgeois. But partly made in Lewiston, made partly made in our. Uh, workshop in uh, in Beijing and then that is going to be a really 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 big worry for the big names because this guitar is 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 going to rule the world it's it's a series that's called the Touchstone series and it's amazing amazing guitar so very happy to have met these people they are I mean Maine is beautiful I, I still haven't been able to go there because of the, the pandemic but Go check the website. If you if you go to the website now, www.bourgeoisguitars.com, the opening shot it tells you all about what this what this state is about and what this brand is about. It's really really beautiful, and it's yeah, it's it's the kind of place where you know they make beautiful guitars. Blimey! Yeah, yeah, it's stunning. That's stunning, and it's it's amazing guitars, and and the beauty is that we learn from each other because the way we build acoustic guitars we have our our main builder and 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 head of the uh uh the whole production process and and building all the guitars is a, a man called koa uh, he is he is like a real real master and everything he touches turns into gold he is the the reason why all our instruments sound so good and to to connect him with Dana Bourgeois, who has that same in the high end boutique acoustic world, it's it's worlds of knowledge that that mm. collide together, and 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 only good things come from that. We probably ought to to, to wrap this up in terms of time. So should we should we um, should we just say thank you very much, Pep, for your time? It's been fantastic, absolutely fascinating. I've I've listened to most of it and. Uh, not really, uh, you know, contributes a great deal, but it's a fascinating story and, and wonderful insights. And I've also been drooling over guitars while we've been talking. So thank you, thank you very much for your time. I'm looking forward to meeting you as and when we can. Um, yes, please, Jace. We ought to we ought to make sure we don't forget to uh, to say thanks again to our our friends at Focusrite. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is recorded on the two i two. Um, and the guys at Focus Right are brilliant, and thank you for their support. You know, yeah, they are absolutely fab, and they keep continuing to support the podcast, which is great because it allows us to crack on. Um, so we're going to disappear, um, so we can look at this prototype that you're not allowed to see. 
<laughs> yeah, let me, let me, you, you have to, to verbally uh, describe what you're seeing. Right, okay. <laughs> oh, oh, loving the head start. Right, I need to, uh, I need to go to gallery view so I've got a, a better view of it. Oh, that's nice. That is nice, actually. That is. Of the raised middle part? Yeah. Yes. I like um, it. I like a big V. Yeah. Belly cut. Yeah. Is that taut guard as well? Yeah. That's the, the, the guard that I was... And, and the beauty is, yeah, it's hard to show you, but the beauty is that it's, it's laid in, into the body. Yes, so, I can see yeah. that. So we created a cavity, so it's, it's, it's lower than, than the actual body. That's beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. And what's more, I can... This is going to sound crazy. That's a guitar I can see slung around the necks of people on stages, if that makes sense. That's exactly where we want it to be. Mm. I can already see it. I just, when I put, put off my headphones, I realized that the speakers have been on. <laughs> no, don't worry. No, no podcast. So, so you, you have some, some editing <laughs> challenges ahead of you. Oh, just, thanks for that, Pep. <laughs> I didn't know because it was in the headphones. In the headphones. I didn't hear it. Right, well, on, on the back of the fact I've now got some editing to do, <laughs> I, better, I better grab as much time as I possibly can. Uh, Pep, we'll see you really soon. I am really enjoyed it, guys. Thank you very, very much. I think it will be okay. It was not that loud. <laughs> It'll be fine. We'll work it through. <laughs> Gentlemen, stay safe, and thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. If you've enjoyed the show, then please remember to hit the subscribe button and share with other like-minded souls. For more information about 9 to 42, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Guitar Show UK. This has been an A Short Stories production. 